Good evening, good evening. Good to have you all here on this beautiful... How many of you got outside today? You went outside at some point. Good for you. You should have gotten outside. It's beautiful out there. What a great, great day the Lord's given to us. And uh, <coughs> our little dog loves to chase the Frisbee. Now, the Frisbee weighs about as much as the dog, and uh, she'll pick it up and drag it over to me. It's just hilarious to watch, but uh, we did that all... She'll do it. If you just say Frisbee... She'll do that with you all day long. You'll be her best friend. So uh, that's the way. Let's see what we have in the way of announcements. If it's your first time joining us, please stop by the Welcome Center. We have a gift for you we'd like to give to you. If you're joining us online for the first time, sptnd.org connect. Let us know you're out there. It encourages us, and uh, hopefully we can make that connection. Tonight, after the evening service, is the Toilet Bowl, the paper football tournament for the teenagers. It is a blast. You have to go upstairs and see it. Uh, Pastor Andrew's got the golden toilet seat and the golden plunger and the golden flapper and the golden toilet brush, and they give those out as rewards. And then all the, the if you're on the winning team, everybody gets their own. He qualified this if you happen to use Instagram. He qualified on Instagram your own unused roll of toilet paper, and uh, so you know it's uh, it's just a lot of fun. It's fun to watch. So you can be up there tonight uh, upstairs. Career night is Wednesday with the uh, Awana group, so dress up like your future profession or a future profession. That'd be great. It's always a great time for pictures, moms, dads, and grandpas and grandmas. It's a great time. All Church Skate Night coming up March 27th. That's a Monday evening, 6 to 8, and it's just a blast. You know, we're, we're the size of our church, like just this here on a Sunday night. We can't all fit in our fellowship hall. So if we're going to fellowship, especially during uh, the non-summer months, we have to do it someplace else. So this is just one of those opportunities just to get together. If you don't want to skate, you don't like to skate, then you can sit over there and uh, drink Coke and eat a pizza or, and just make fun of the rest of us who are skating, but it's a blast. And I always want to say to people, because I, this is important, I don't want to offend anybody, but I don't skate to Christian music, so it's not, uh, I, I, just, I just don't feel comfortable skating to it. So anyway, uh, it's just fun music. We'll have a lot of fun. You'll enjoy it. And then Creation Museum trip is coming up for the uh, school-age kids who want to age if you want to go or want to go with your child. Uh, you can see JD. This is your last opportunity to sign up tonight. Uh, so that's Thursday, March 23rd, going to the Creation Museum, and uh, looking forward to that. Caregivers Resource class is coming up on April the 6th. Miss uh, Glenda will be heading that up on Thursdays, 7 o'clock. If you want to uh, learn how to be a caregiver or how to allow someone to take care of you, maybe, uh, then you can come to that caregiver's class. It's a great resource opportunity for you. Ladies' banquet. Uh, we're getting back to that ladies' banquet time. We didn't have one during the COVID season, and so here we go. Uh, usually, we have 150, 200 ladies here. It's a great time. Guys, husbands, boyfriends, you know, this is your job. You have to come and help us cook and help us serve. Uh, you can even bring the little ones as long as they're old enough to be able to help us, to genuinely help us serve. You understand? Uh, it needs to be genuine help, so, uh, so it probably doesn't help us to have a lot of five-year-old boys running around, but uh, you know, eight and nine-year-old kids, they usually do a pretty good job. We can give them things to do, and uh, we enjoy it, so great time. The men will cook and serve. The ladies will have that, and I think they have a, a play that they're working on and things like that, so you'll enjoy all that time. But, uh, VBS is coming up this summer, and we still need three teachers for the three, four, and five-year-old class. So if you would see J.D. about that as well, uh, Keepers of the Kingdom, he'll, uh, he'll get you plugged in there. And then we mentioned already our missionaries of the week, uh, the Willises in Spain, were able to, uh, to uh, get their 
their pass to stay in, in Spain. It was, it was literally, they'd been rejected, which meant they were going to have to come home from the mission field. It was a big deal. And uh, so they hired a lawyer, the first lawyer. They closed it up with a you know, rejection, and they hired a second lawyer. And the, the second lawyer literally said, this is a miracle. And uh, not knowing how God works, and it is a miracle. And they opened that file back up, and they gave them a five-year extension on their uh, visas. So that's an exciting thing for them as well. I think there's a sign-up for the, for the uh, Golden Prayer Warriors uh, coming up for Breakfast with the Stars on, did I say that right, on March 25th? Is that right, March 25th? So it's a little confusing if you don't know military uh, dating. So it says 23 March 20, or it says 25 March 23. That's the 25th of March, 2023, is what that's saying out there. So uh, whoever printed that up, used military speak, and uh, just so you're aware of it, all right? Let's stand. We'll have a word of prayer, and we'll get ourselves going for the service today. Father, it is a joy to be here. We ask that uh, you would cause our hearts and minds to be uh, at ease this evening, to be able to focus on you, that we would be uh, fixed and stayed upon you and your truth, the scripture, as we work ourselves through it, I ask that you would uh, put your hand upon this service. Uh, may your Holy Spirit have freedom to do the work in each of our hearts and lives. May you bless every aspect of the service. We'll thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stay standing, please, Mr. Devin. Good evening. As Christians... <laughs> hey, Eddie. As Christians, we are not promised to not have any burdens, but we are given a Lord and Savior that is listening to our concerns and our requests. And I don't know what burden you're coming to this service with uh, this evening. Maybe it's a, something that is a medical issue. Well, we have the great physician. Uh, I'm not sure if it's maybe money problems. Well, we have a God who is a zillionaire. And uh, we can go to Jesus with any of our problems. And let's sing about that this evening. 237, tell it to Jesus. Or 238, I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress, he kindly will help. I cannot. 
Amen. Well, we've got a good crowd out tonight. It's a little hot in here to me, but oh well, that's the way it is. I'm not going to touch it. I know everybody. Can... It's that time of year. You just It's going to be hot or cold, and whatever what you do to the uh, thermostat, somebody's not happy. Birthdays and anniversaries. This last week, we actually need to go two weeks, since uh, last week we had a funeral service in the evening service. We did not cover birthdays, so birthdays and anniversaries for the last two weeks. Who would that be? I know we did not miss everybody's point of view, Scott. When was your birthday? Uh, yesterday. yesterday. Happy birthday to you. And how long have you known the Lord as your Savior? 38 years. Wow, 38 years. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Don't get so excited about it, <laughs> Miss Ginger. When was your birthday? 22nd. And how long have you known the Lord as your Savior? 38 years. 38 years. Wow, twins. There you go. Anyone else? Tim? Tim, when was your birthday or is it today? When is it? It was yesterday. Wow, man, yesterday was a big day. And Tim, how old are you? 17. How long you know the Lord is your Savior? 11 years. Praise the Lord. Amen. When was your birthday? The 25th. The 25th? And how long have you known the Lord is your Savior? 32 years. All right. Wow, that's great. Anybody else? Going back to any, any anniversaries? Anybody get married? I mean, doesn't that like cover Valentine's Day? Nobody got married on Valentine's Day? I guess Valentine's Day more was more of an engagement day. Who are we pointing to? Miss Kim. Ah, I see. I, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. So, Miss Kim, when was your birthday? Oh, your anniversary. There we go. And how many years? 45 years. Wow, that's incredible. Okay. So I want you all to look at Miss Kim. I just want to look like that. Whenever, <laughs> okay, this is why people hate you. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So you're alone, so here you get to say, what's the secret to 45 years of marital bliss? Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> Tom's in the doghouse. All right, so what's up? Prayer, there you go. Prayer will get you through to 45 years. That's good. Anybody else? Birthdays or anniversaries? Andy and... 54 years on the 21st for Andy and Jean Trump, who are watching, we think. And if not, then we can say anything about them we want. So, <laughs> 54 years of marital bliss. I, I really want to hear that from Miss Jean, because I know Andy. That's a tough one. <laughs> Anyone else? Birthdays or anniversaries? So we sing happy birthversary to you. Let's uh, sing that together. Happy birthversary to you. Happy birthversary to you. Happy birthversary, God bless you. Happy birthversary to you. I don't know what's next. Okay, come on up, Mr. John. Well, if you're able, please stand with me this evening for our scripture reading tonight. Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom a hundred and twenty princes, which should be over the whole kingdom, and over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes 
sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors, and the princes, the counselors, and the captains, have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing, that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the, and the decree. May your hearts be sanctified by God's word this evening. You may be seated. Will our difficulties and trials be worth it when we see the face of Jesus Christ? Absolutely. Let's sing about that. Oft times the day seems long.
Thank you, Lord.
Just the first two verses? Okay, just the first two verses. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Sorry about that. It's called being a song leader. You decide if there's more, right? <laughs> We're in Daniel chapter 4 tonight. And while you're turning over to Daniel chapter 4, I'll mention something to you. So, um, We've been talking a little bit about, uh, you know, what it means to have our testimonies clear so that everybody knows, right? Uh, as we've had these funerals happening this last, we had three funerals the last two weeks, um, you know, it's reminded us that the, the hope that we have is all about the relationship that the, the one who has gone on has with Jesus Christ. And the only way that I can know if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ is for you to tell me. That's the only way I can know. I'm just being honest. I mean, I can watch your life, but there are good people out there all over the place. Good, goodness does not get us to heaven because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So that in mind, we've been talking about that, and we've been encouraging you to share your testimonies. You've been doing that. So... Um, Brother Devin would like to offer something to you, a service to you, so to speak, uh, that um, the, over the next, well, next Sunday, he's not going to be here, but over the next few Sundays after that, and maybe even Wednesdays, he'll decide, he'll tell us when it's going to be, he's going to set up a small little uh, studio. He does videos, you know, professionally, and uh, he's going to allow you, if you would like, for your family's sake, to share your testimony in video fashion so that you can have it. I'm going to tell you, I, you know, I, I know my mom's in heaven, I know my dad's in heaven, I know my mother-in-law's in heaven. I, I know these things, but, you know, as time goes on, I would like to be able to share that hope with my kids and with my grandkids. You know how they're going to know that? They're going to know it by hearing that. And uh, what a wonderful thing. So I'm just going to challenge you to think about it. Say, oh, Pastor John, I wouldn't know how to do that. Devin will walk you through it. I'm, I'm serious. He's going to help you on the video side. That's not a problem. He's going to have some helpers, I think. Should I volunteer them or not? Yeah. Huh? They're both on? Okay, so, uh, so Joe and uh, Eli are going to help as well. They all do that video stuff. And so, you know, there's going to be people to help you. They'll help to make the video part work. You're the one that has to have the testimony. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This is really simple. Everybody's testimony is identical. It's identical in the what we are trusting. Do you understand? If we are not trusting the death of Jesus Christ on the cross as the payment for our sins, we're not understanding what our testimony ought to be. It does not mean that we have not believed. It's just sometimes people don't know how to put it into words. But at some point in your testimony, it ought to be that I understood I was a sinner, I could not get to heaven on my own, and I understood that God provided a way for me to heaven through Jesus Christ. He sent his son to die on the cross for my sins, and I have, by faith, trusted that his death on the cross is the absolute, total, and complete payment for all of my sins, past, present, and future. And I'm going to heaven because my faith, my confidence, my trust is in Jesus Christ. Not in me, not in a church, not in a baptism, not in doing something that's good, like reading my Bible or praying. That's not what it's about. It's about relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, the rest of it is the details. I was 16. I was driven to church because my mom and dad after 26 years of marriage, decided they were going to get a divorce, and I didn't understand that. I started going to church trying to seek things out. I was uh, 13 when that happened, 12, 13, and, and I, I began to seek out and seek out and seek out. It took a little while for it to settle, settle into my mind and what needed to happen in my heart, what needed to happen. But at 16, 
I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I put my faith, my confidence, my trust in what Jesus did. And I'm going to go to heaven. You can rest assured of that. I'm going to go to heaven, not because I'm a preacher, not because I've done good things, but because I have a Savior whose death was complete. It is finished. The work was done. And all of my sin debt has been paid for. And I'm going to go to heaven one day. You can rest assured of that. My testimony is actually on video a thousand times over. As it's, you know, as, because now everything's out there on video. But I don't know how you'd find it, right? You'd have to somehow figure out, where did Pastor talk about that? And find that date. So it really is nice just to have that, you know, three-minute video that your kids... And I'm going to tell you, you know, when you die and your kids and your grandkids are crying... And they sit down one day and, and somebody says, hey, let's watch this video that Grandma made for us. That's going to change their perspective on everything. Because now they no longer sorrow as people who have no hope. But they now recognize the hope that's in Christ. So I'm going to encourage you with it. We're not making you. Nobody's going to you know, keep tally of who's done it and who's not. Not that kind of thing. It's an offer that's there. Will we ever do anything with it? That would only be with your permission. That if we would ever like posted or something like that. Uh, what, what would be kind of cool, I think, is as we're getting them done, to have, you know, on Sunday nights, a video testimony. And some of you are thinking, I am not putting my face on that thing. That's fine. You don't have to. I understand. That's, I don't really care. Uh, you know, uh, when I speak at, uh, at Pensacola, they have a screen that's as big as, bigger than the back wall. It's huge. It's just huge. And you're standing in front of 5,000 people, and you are literally bigger than life. And it's like, I don't want to see that either. So I never turn around and look. I don't want to see it. Uh, but anyway, it is what it is. So we're in Daniel chapter 4. We're going to walk ourselves through this passage, but it, it kind of preaches itself. Uh, I, I really don't have to do much to preach it. Uh, I want you just to, to uh, hear the passage, and then we'll point out the things that ought to be considered. And um, yes... This is about King Nebuchadnezzar, and no, he is not a follower of God. Uh, at least at the beginning of the chapter, at the end of the chapter, you can have that debate uh, as to where he lands. Uh, but uh, there's still some things for us to consider as Christians, so let's just take a look at it. We're in Daniel chapter 4. Nebuchadnezzar the king, unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought toward me. How great are his signs, and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. And it seems as if Nebuchadnezzar has already had this experience. He's now writing to tell about it, or he's now sharing this to tell about, and uh, you'll see how it works. Father, we ask that you would help us to uh, gain some understanding here from uh, Daniel 4 and to see how you work in our lives, and we'll thank and praise you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. So real quickly, before we go any further, by way of testimony, and I'm not going to pass around a microphone or anything, I'll just repeat what it is. It says, how mighty are his wonders, how great are his signs. Don't get hung up on the signs concept. It's just simply, how great is it when God proves himself to be who he is? So I'd like to hear some of those examples that you've had in your life where God shows you who he is, where his wonders have amazed you, what God's done. What's something God's done for you? Somebody? Yes, ma'am. He provided uh, bread for me when I was 18 years old and a place to live. Miss Cindy says, when she was 18 years old, God provided a place for her to live and the rent to go with it. So 
That's one of the things that she was able to see God do. Something else. What's something else we've seen God do? Yes, ma'am. He brought you your husband. How long ago was that? Ten years ago. Ten years ago. All right. Fantastic. So Miss Natalie says, he brought me my husband. By the way, that's a praise, right? Okay. <laughs> the great signs and wonders. What's something else we've seen God do? It's just great. Jeffrey. Hmm. Wow. Wow. So Jeff says God has protected him from drowning, from murder, and from choking to death. Uh, it's amazing because we don't know sometimes just how close we come to things, right? Uh, I was nine years old. My, my older brother was married. Maybe I was 10. I don't know how old it was. He's married. Him and his wife decided to take uh, my sister and I on vacation with them to Florida. And uh, so we're at this hotel. It's got a pool. I'm going to jump into the pool. And I'm not a good swimmer, never was, never have been really a strong swimmer. I can save myself, but you don't want me to save you, trust me. And so they're like, jump off the diving board, jump off the diving board. And I just did a belly flop. And then what happened is I panicked. And in that panic, things began to happen. My sister-in-law has to dive in and pull me out of the water. I don't know this until later, but, you know, it's a situation where they're literally, you know, pumping water out of me. And, I'm, and we didn't go to the hospital or anything. I didn't, didn't die, obviously, but, uh, I mean, I had a headache that lasted for the next 20 hours. It was the craziest thing. I probably came close to dying there. I know the one time I was crossing White River in an LTD, a Ford LTD, and... Um, it had been raining a lot, and the, the road that I was, gonna supposed to, was supposed to take across White River disappeared into the water and came out on the other side. Now, this is just show you how brutish your pastor is when it comes to his knowledge about how rivers work. I, didn't, I'm, I didn't, wasn't raised around a river, and all I know is I need to get to the other side. And so I say to myself, if I just keep my eye on the road over there and just drive straight, then I'll make it. Because I know it's a straight shot, I'll make it to the other side. I mean, do you know how dangerous that is in a river setting? How dangerous that is? And I reach a point where I'm panicking and I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I open my door and I'm literally driving, watching the yellow line. I'm not watching up there anymore. I'm watching the yellow line. I just need to stay by the yellow line. And that's how, and I made it across. I mean, like, I'm like 17 years old. I'm just a dumb teenager. And... Wow, God just said, you know what, I've got plans for this guy, and I'm not going to let him die yet, because that was really a bad idea, you know. At 16, I was in a car wreck, and I broke my jaw in three places, my nose, my cheekbone, and, and shattered my, uh, you know, my, my nose, and I was in the hospital for nine days, and it was not pretty. And, you know, you, you don't know how close you come, but God is a gracious God, showing his wonder. Give me a couple more, I've got to hurry, I've got to run out of time here. Miss Carrie. He's moving your family back to Franklin Township, which is really great because they've been driving for about an hour to get here every service because they love our church. So what? How many? And you're going to be nine minutes away when you get the new, built, new, new house built. So, yeah, praise the Lord. Yes, Joe. Uh, he provided something that we will need at a fraction of the price before we even started to worry about how expensive it really is. How great is God, isn't it? He provided something they needed at a fraction of the cost before they even knew how much is it going to be, Miss Anna? Got to hurry. Just before we moved here, Bob was in Bible college, and the college had a whitewater rafting trip, and we 
some slope and don't panic. And we hit a rock. The kids went this way. I went this way. And Bob said he was stressed with the decision. What do I do? Do I save my kids or do I save my life? And he reached out and scooped the kids. And I went in. And I remember the water going over and I thought I was going to die. And um, these wrestlers were going up and down. These experienced guys. I was the one I left them for. Yeah. And they pulled me out just before I thought. I had forgotten all about that. <laughs> so, uh, whitewater rafting, I love whitewater rafting, I've been that four times, it's a great thing to do, but it is dangerous. So we took a group of teenagers whitewater rafting, and the first thing they did is they set you in a room and they show you a video with the, with the intent of scaring you half to death. Do you remember, remember when you used to have drivers, remember the old drivers and they showed you those videos, that, and when they put you behind the wheel of a car you were like white knuckled because they just scared you so badly you didn't want to do anything. That's what they do with this whitewater. And so then they say to the group, if somebody doesn't want to go, somebody will stay here with you until the group gets back. And we had a girl like, I'm not going. Because <laughs> it is kind of scary, but it's great. Miss, last one, Miss Brenda, I'm sorry, last one. Wow, when Wayne was in seminary and money was tight, People would, somebody just would leave fresh fruits and vegetables on your doorstep. What a good God. And the one neighbor said, I'm giving you these apples to make applesauce for your babies. Giving you the apples to make applesauce for your babies. Did you do it? There you go. All right. Good. So anyway, I just point that out. Just kind of an interesting thing because here's Nebuchadnezzar. He's like, this is what God is like. This is what Nebuchadnezzar has learned from this. There's a God who shows himself to be mighty and strong, and it is a wonderful thing. So anyway, he goes on. I and Nebuchadnezzar were in verse 4. Uh, was at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. i got to hurry because I'm going to try to read through this whole thing, and it's long. Uh, I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts upon my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore, made I a decree to bring all the wise men of Babylon before me, and they might make known unto me the interpretation of the dream. And then came the, in the magicians and the astrologers and the Chaldeans and the soothsayers, and I told them the dream before them, and they did not make known to me the interpretation there. But at last, Daniel came in to me, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of... And I want you to catch this, because this is, this is at the beginning of all of this. Here's how, here's how Nebuchadnezzar is saying, according to the name of my God. Look at the word God. What is, what is, what is unique about it? What do you notice? It's not capitalized. This is not talking about the God of heaven. According to the name of his God. Belt, he's named Belteshazzar. The, the, the king had renamed Daniel Belteshazzar according to his God, he says. In whom is the spirit of the, he says about Daniel, in whom is the spirit of the holy, there it is again, the holy gods, with this little g. He's, he doesn't get it. Uh, and before him, I told the dream, dream saying, and so he's going to go on and, and tell the dream. And uh, he says, O Belteshazzar, master of the magicians, because that I know that, thou art, uh, that the spirit of the holy gods is in thee, and no secret trouble with thee, tell me the vision of my dreams that I have seen and the interpretation thereof. Thus were the visions of mine head in my bed. I saw, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and the height thereof was great. And the tree grew and was strong, and the height thereof reached into heaven, and the sight thereof to the end of the earth. And, and the leaves of, thereof were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and, it was, uh, and in it was meat for all. And the beasts of the field had sh shadow under it, and the fowls of the heaven dwelt in the boughs thereof, and all flesh was fed by it. I mean, this was a great tree, right? I saw in the vision of my head upon my bed, and behold, a watcher, that would be an angel, a heavenly one, and an holy one came down from heaven, and he cried aloud and said thus, Hew down the tree, 
and cut off its branches. Shake off the leaves and scatter the fruit. Let the beast get away from under it and the fowls of his, uh, from his branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump of the roots uh, uh, in, the, in the earth, even the band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the wet dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the grass of the earth. So he sees this great tree, and the angel comes down and says, cut it down, leave the stump, let everything else scatter, right? You understand that. Nevertheless, uh, verse 16, let his heart be changed from man's, and let a beast's heart be given unto him, and let seven times or seven years pass over him. This matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand of the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living, this is why it was done, that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom. Notice the word Most High. What do you see about that one? It is capitalized. That the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over the basis of men. God, the whole purpose of this is that so all might know that God is a great God, that God is in control. Sometimes we ask, why do things happen? And I'm just telling you, honestly, we don't always understand the whys. But if we'll look, virtually every time God is showing himself to be strong to someone, often to all of us, if we'll pay attention. And that's what's happening here in Daniel chapter 4. So uh, then he goes on, he's, uh, he goes on to verse 18, says, This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, have seen, and now, O Belteshazzar, O Daniel, please, he says, declare to me the interpretation thereof. For as much as all the wise men of the kingdom are not able to make known unto me the interpretation, but thou art able for here, look what he says, he still doesn't get it, the spirit of the holy gods is in thee. This is where Nebuchadnezzar was. He still doesn't get it. He's just there. Uh, verse 19, then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for one hour. And it literally means just that. He, he was like amazed at what he was understanding about this dream, about what God was about to do. Because to make a long story short, well, look what Daniel says. He says, uh, he, the, king, the king spake and said to Daniel, Daniel uh, Belteshazzar, I'm sorry, let not the dream or the interpretation trouble thee. He can see that Daniel's like hesitant to tell him what it means. And, and the king says, I really want to know. I, 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 need to, I need to find out what it is. And so Daniel, Belteshazzar, answered and said, My Lord, the dream be to them that hate thee and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. He's literally saying, King, this is not going to be good. This is not going to be something that you want to hear. Because the tree is the king. And the glory of the tree and the glory of this kingdom that he's built, it, it, it stretches out uh, so far and it, so many are fed by it and so many are sh shadowed by it. And, and this is a glorious thing, but it's about to be cut down. And uh, so he says, the tree that thou sawest which grew was strong in height, uh, verse 20, reach into heaven uh, whose leaves were fair, verse 21, the fruit thereof much and the meat under it, etc., etc., all those things. Verse 22, it is thou, O king, that art grown and become strong, for thy greatness is grown and reacheth unto heaven and thy dominion to the end of the earth. And this is a big deal, but the interpretation, verse 24, this is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High God, which is come upon my Lord the king that they shall drive men from thee, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and thou shalt be made to eat grass as an oxen, 
and they shall wet thee with the dew of the heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee till, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. Now, here's what's amazing about this story. Okay, so the king says, please, Daniel, don't be afraid to tell me. I just want to know what the interpretation is. Daniel tells him the interpretation. It's clear, right? The interpretation is, king, you have a problem. King, this is coming. You need to be paying attention. In fact, listen to what Daniel says to him. It's amazing what Daniel says to him. Look at verse 27. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. He's like, perhaps, king, God will be merciful to you. But, king, here's what you need to, you need to do. You need to break off your sins. You need to get rid of... You need to let righteousness become a part of what you're doing. You need to start taking care of the poor. You need to... Yes, you've got this great kingdom, but God's going to do something with this because God wants to show you that he is the king, not you. Now, here's for us, right? You know what our number one problem is, especially men? Pride. Pride. I mean, since we were little kids, we fought over things like this. You can't make me. Nobody's going to tell me what. You can't, no, you can't tell me what to do. I've even, I've even heard kids utter those words to their parents. Sometimes I've watched parents prove them right. <laughs> Yikes, you know, but pride is our issue. Here's the king, he's got this pride. He's like, wow, look at me, look how glorious my kingdom is. Look at, look at all that I've done. And he's got an issue of pride, and Daniel says, listen, king, if you'll listen to any counsel I'm going to give you, listen to this one. Put away sin and start living righteously. Perhaps God will be merciful to you. And I wish I could tell you the good part of the story, but Dan, you know the King Neb is not much different than you and I. And it says um, in verse 28, and all this came upon the King Nebuchadnezzar. Look at verse 29. At the end of how long? Twelve months. Hello. I mean, God, this gracious, merciful God of ours, says to the king, I'm going to do this because you're full of pride and arrogance and there's a sin problem. And you need to deal with it. And 12 months goes by. 12 months goes by where the king has literally ignored Daniel's interpretation and ignored Daniel's counsel. How many times have we sat in church and ignored the word of God as it's been presented to us? A preacher, an evangelist is begging us to get things right. And we've come to church because we're trying to find some answers. The answers are given, and we just hold on to our own self-will and say, I'm not doing that. It's possible, at least Daniel's implied, there's a possibility that God might have dealt differently with this king. But King Nebuchadnezzar, he's like, he's just stubborn. He's so proud and arrogant. I tell you, and I know that this is going to shock you because, you know, I'm so sweet, you know, but these are my issues. I am, I am so stubborn, it's not even funny. I get so set in my ways. 
I remember when, uh, I'm not making this up, Melody might be watching online, but it doesn't matter because she's heard this before, it's true. I go in to ask Mel's mom and dad for permission to marry her. And Mel's dad said to me, John, you're going into ministry. And Melody is very stubborn. Do you think this is wise? <laughs> I'm not making it up. You have my permission, but you need to know something about my daughter. She's stubborn. And I said, that's okay. I'm stubborn too, so we'll survive. And over the years, we've found that that's true. We're both very stubborn. And that makes a fun marriage. It really does. And don't misunderstand teenagers. Not, that that kind of adds the spice to us. <laughs> you know, it's just, we're both stubborn. You know, it's like, wow. But what God has had to do is break down that stubborn pride. And I have been Nebuchadnezzar before. You remember why I got arrested? Do you remember that story? It wasn't because I got a speeding ticket. It was because I got like 27 speeding tickets. And I refuse to learn. And God's like, uh-uh. I'm not letting you get by with this. And again, and again, and again, until finally, like, okay, come with me, young man. In jail. I'm not making it up. It was like, I know what it is to be this Nebuchadnezzar. And he's like, 12 months go by. 12 months. And look at verse 30. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that, look at what it says, that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty. He's learned nothing. He's learned nothing. And then it happens. Verse 31. While the word was still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed. The tree is cut down. Everything is scattered. The stump is left. And Nebuchadnezzar is left for the next seven years to wander around like a beast in the field. Literally, he's gone crazy. He's just lost it. He is, he's insane, so to speak. And he's wandering around this, this way. This is Nebuchadnezzar. And God is working to show his power and his might and to break the stubborn will of Nebuchadnezzar. That's what's happening. Going down, if you would please, to verse 34, I don't have time to read this all, but verse 34, at the end of the days, at the end of those years, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me, and look what it says now. Nebuchadnezzar speaking. You can decide if this is conversion or not. There's argument about that because Nebuchadnezzar doesn't go on to be a, this great shining example of somebody who's following after God. But here's what he says. He's learned a lesson. He says, my understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High. There's that capital H again. And I praised and honored him that lived forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom from generation to generation. That's Nebuchadnezzar speaking. Earlier, he says, I want to tell you this story because God allowed this to happen so that everyone might know that he is the Most High God. God said, I'm doing this so that Nebuchadnezzar might know that I am the Most High God. And at the end of the story, Nebuchadnezzar finally surrenders, it seems, his will to God, learns this lesson. He may not, may not become a great follower of Jehovah, but he learns this lesson, that his kingdom is not his because he's a great person, but because a God in heaven who is in control has allowed him to do this. 
Now listen, the lesson then for us is this. What are we holding on to with pride, saying, God, you can't have this, this is mine, I did it, I built it, my life, you can't have my music, you can't have my video games, you can't have my free time, you can't have my, you know, $1,000 a month on golf, you can't have, I'm just making things up, I'm just, I am. I'm just saying we stubbornly hold on to, God, this is mine. And what we have is a God who says, let me show you something. And if we're not careful... We end up one day getting stopped by some Whiteland police officer who says, Mr. Ray, I need you to come with me. Yikes. Because God's, God's not, he is not in the business of just ignoring our pride. What he wants to do is prove to us, show to us again and again who he is. And that's what he's done for Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar finally makes that declaration. Verse 37, the last verse. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to, to abase, to bring down. Folks, we've got to let go of our stubborn pride. This is the story about stubborn pride. And it will destroy us, whether we're followers of Jesus or whether we've never trusted Christ. There's some maybe sitting here that you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ because you sit here and say, what's so special about Jesus? I can do this on my own. All I have to do is be good enough. And you're, you're stubbornly resisting the gospel, the free gift of God of salvation through Jesus Christ. And then as Christians, we... We just dig in our heels. We're not going to let God have his way in our lives. We have a God who has all the time in the world, literally. Time means nothing to him. And he's, he'll let that 12 months go past as we've been warned and spoken to and literally had an angel come down and speak to him in a dream. And he's still ignoring it. What's the matter with this picture? What are we holding on to that it's time we say, okay, God, before the tree comes crashing down, I'm going to surrender. I'm going to, I'm going to let you have your way. Why should it take such a harsh thing for us to learn a lesson? Although I'm sure my story of getting arrested is just one of many out here, harsh things we've endured to try to learn a lesson. But we don't have to keep that way, right? We could start allowing God to have a tender have a tender heart toward the things of God. Heads bowed, eyes closed, please. I'm going to ask you. This is a tough one, I know. But what are you hanging on to, right? Is there something that you're like, you know. I mean, it's like God keeps bringing it up. You keep, you keep hearing it. You, you know that there's something that you need to quit holding on to, to quit being so stubborn and willful and prideful, and you need to let God have his way. You're a Christian. You're on your way to heaven. That's not the issue. But God wants to help you become more like Jesus Christ. And we're hanging on to our way. Is there something out there? You said, Pastor, that's where I'm at. I look more like Nebuchadnezzar than Daniel in this story, Pastor. I look more like Nebuchadnezzar digging my heels in. And I've heard it. And I've heard it. But I'm not responding. And months have gone by and I'm not responding. I don't want to wait until God has to do something drastic to get my attention. 
Pastor, I, I want to put this pride aside. Would you pray for me, Pastor, that I will surrender to the Lord afresh and anew and quit fighting him on the issue that he's brought to my mind and my heart? If that's you, you just slip your hand and let me pray for you. Pastor, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Hands are shooting up all the way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Pastor, I'm struggling with pride. I need to get this thing taken care of. Maybe it is if someone here says, Pastor, I have been resisting the Holy Spirit of God in his attempts to bring me to an understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The truth is, Pastor, if I were to die today, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. And I need to, I need to surrender and place my faith, my confidence, my trust in what Jesus did on the cross as the payment for my sins and trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. Pastor, would you pray for me that I'll allow God to have this in my life as well? I'm not certain that I'm a Christian. Pray for me, Pastor. Is anyone like that? Would you slip your hand up? Let me see that so I can pray for you. Anyone? Father, many, many tender hearts are here tonight. God, I pray that you would help us all as we deal with pride in our own lives, that we would be willing to respond to your word and to your Holy Spirit, that we would not push that limit and, and cause you to bring about harshness in our lives to prove uh, yourself strong. God, as we consider the great wonders of you in our lives, may we be willing to respond accordingly. Help us to put that pride aside. Many hands have gone up for you with each one. Give them that courage today to repent of that pride and get right with you. We'll thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing together. 496, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. As we sing together, you step out and let the Lord have his way, would you? appreciate your kind attention. I tell you, uh, I don't know how many hands went up, 15, 20 hands went up, and, and uh, you know, you're, you're not alone in this. I want you to know you're not alone in this stubbornness that we constantly you know, battle ourselves with. The Apostle Paul struggled with it. The things I know I should do, I don't do. The things I know I shouldn't do, I do. That's what the Apostle Paul said. You know, so this is not a, you know, we're not alone in this. But it does get dangerous when we dig our heels in. And because we have a God, you've heard me say this before, Romans 8, 20, all things work together for good to them, love God to them, are called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow them, also did he predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. See, God's good, God's definition of what works together for good is anything that makes me like Jesus. And sometimes God has to pick us up by the, back, by the collar of our shirt and drag us, kicking and screaming, to Johnson County Jail where God says, okay, I'm going to break that will of yours, John. 
That's what happens. You know, we, we ought not to be that way. Let's, let's not make God drag us toward Christ-likeness. Let's surrender all and allow the Lord to make us into Christ-likeness. Anything I'm supposed to announce? Teenagers are chomping at the bit to go flush the toilet. I mean, to go uh, <laughs> play a paper football. I'm just kidding. All right, we'll let you get out of here. The Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, give you peace. Love you all. God bless you. Dismissed.